This is Commemorate Canada. It's 1913 at the Arts and Letters Club in Toronto. Eight artists sit enjoying a drink. Closest is Alexander Jackson from Montreal. Beside him is Frederick Varley, who's recently immigrated from England at the suggestion of his friend to his right, Arthur Lismer, also recently from England. Next to Lismer sits Lauren Harris, and beside him is James MacDonald. Beside MacDonald sits a tall, rugged man named Tom Thompson. Beside Thompson are Franklin Carmichael and Frank Johnston. By 1914, the world will be at war, and before that war ends, Thompson will be dead, with the cause of death creating an enduring mystery. Nonetheless, by 1920, this group of artists will begin to shape what some people think it means to be Canadian. They called themselves the Group of Seven. I'm Tim Quaringesser, and this is Commemorate Canada, a podcast about Canadian anniversaries in history. The podcast is a partnership between Canadian Geographic, Heritage Canada, and the Government of Canada. If you've ever wondered how Canadian identity came to be represented, at least for some, by a small group of artists who painted empty landscapes, keep listening. One hundred years ago, in May 1920, the Group of Seven held their first exhibit of 114 paintings at the Art Gallery of Toronto. But this was no ordinary exhibit. It was the group's attempt to create a uniquely Canadian art form. And it's this exhibition that we celebrate today with this podcast. Canada in 1920 was barely 50 years old. In this new country, settlers from elsewhere felt their new home didn't know who or what it was. In Harris's words from 1920, the group held a like vision to fill this vacuum. They are all imbued with the idea, he wrote, that an art must grow and flower in the land before the country will be a real home for its people. Today, the Group of Seven style is woven into our national imagery as if it's our wallpaper. Thompson's The Jack Pine from 1917 is an iconic example of the works. A wind-weary tree stands beside a wind-swept lake. The feeling is lonely, northern, but beautiful. There are no people. The forms of the landscape are almost structural. Canada, through this frame was a place of power and beauty drawn from its wilderness. And it stuck. One hundred years later, if you feel more Canadian when you camp beside a lake, visit the Arctic, paddle a canoe, or take a selfie with a mountain in the frame, you might thank the group of seven. Some have noted that framing beauty as remote, as without people, as ideal, had a lot to do with Canada asserting its right to an already inhabited land. Through the group of seven, you could say, Canada was being claimed. 
The intrigue that follows the group of seven is partly due to contradictions. Many in this Canadian project were from Britain, and many came from pampered backgrounds but went into the countryside to paint wilderness from tents and canoes. The group also had many more than seven members, and famous non-members too. Emily Carr, an artist whose work linked the West Coast with the others, was never officially in the group, but was considered one of us by Harris. Other members came and went, and perhaps the most well-known group of seven artists died before the group even named itself, Tom Thompson. His death in 1917 in Algonquin Park remains shrouded in mystery and intrigue. Author Roy McGregor, who has written the definitive work on Thompson, says this interest in the artist only seems to expand. Most of us grew up staring at his copies of his pictures in public school, and so we had this image of a painter. But then after that, uh, people get caught up on the romance of the story. It's kind of maybe awkward and a bit weird to uh, consider a death, a murder, a suicide, whatever it was, romantic, but people do think of it as romantic, so it's got a lot of that romantic side to it, and it's got the wilderness, which is the way we like to see ourselves, even if we actually do live mostly in cities. I don't think that it will ever go away, and in fact, I would be one of those who thinks, and perhaps I'm being a little selfish here, but I think it's growing. I think it grows year by year by year. But the vision of Canada that Thompson and the Group of Seven helped create is at odds with the land and people. For decades, a response to the Group of Seven has deepened in Canada, most powerfully from Indigenous scholars and artists. To people who have known the land we now call Canada for thousands of years, wilderness and the idea of North is not about identity or romance. It's instead a fiction, an erasure. To put it into simple terms, Wilderness was a white place. Carr's depiction of indigenous peoples and their villages, for example, as if they were fading into the past, is a depiction of, quote, imaginary Indians, end quote, rather than real cultures, argues writer Marcia Crosby. And as art writer Robert Stacy puts it, in their haste to become old, young nations tell lies to themselves. One hundred years after that first exhibit, the group of seven continues to define and confound. McGregor says the story has come full circle. And the time that he started and the group of seven was starting after 1920, people generally viewed the Canadian landscape as something that uh, was challenging them and had to be, you know, <laughs> taken control of. That was all about settlement. And so uh, suddenly you have the audacity of these painters telling them that the bush, or let's just take a painting, for example, Northern River with its fallen down trees and that this swampy-like place is beautiful? Come on. And in fact, they laughed at the, the early showings, as you well know, and, and they called them all sorts of things. Critics in the major papers in Toronto dismissed them as muddy and ugly and basically insulted all these painters, but they persisted and they kept on. And now, a hundred years later, they're the very ideal, the iconic ideal of the beauty of Canada. Thanks for joining me on this journey through one significant anniversary of Canadian history. 
If you haven't done so, subscribe to our podcast, and you can also rate and review us. This podcast is available at no cost on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and also at cangio.ca. To get in touch with us, send us a message on social media or email editor at canadiangeographic.ca. Today's episode is partly built from research by author Roy McGregor and the book Beyond Wilderness, edited by John O'Brien and Peter White. Thanks for listening.